Okay, so uh, everyone, thank you for joining us today. Um, sorry about the, we had a little bit of a hiccup in the beginning with things going live. Um, but I just wanted to say thank you, Terry, for joining us today. Um, this is a live interview with uh, Terry Ribera, and I, I really hope I'm pronouncing your last name correctly. Um, I'm pretty sure I am, but you never really know. Um, so I wanted to say thank you for joining us today. Um, I did just ask you to start your video up again. Yeah, so is this house is so, okay. All right, I think we're good. Awesome. Excellent, excellent. And I'm actually gonna pin your video spotlight for everyone so that this way we're focused on you. You can probably still see me, but no one else is going to be able to on the live stream, which is totally fine. Um so let's start off with some personal background. Um, you know, tell us where you're from. You know, what kind of art education do you have? Uh, you know, what led you to become a tattoo artist? Um, you know, what what drives this with you? All right. Uh, I guess I'll start with. Um, so, in case you're wondering, the the pronunciation for my last name is Rivera. It's just like Rivera. Um, and uh yeah so i was uh, i grew up in the uh bay area uh so just 30 minutes outside of san francisco and a little suburb called san carlos this is just on the peninsula and um my parents moved there uh they originally met in tahiti my mom is actually Tahitian; she's from Bora Bora. and my father actually used for, to work for disney um he's an excellent photographer did cinematography, um, did, uh, you know, prop design, um, was good at fabricating things. This was just sort of a, a random accident, really. Like, I don't, yeah, he, he didn't have the intentions to work in the movies at all. Just sort of right skill set and opportunities like landed on his lap. And that's how he ended up meeting my mother and all those things. So, uh, you know, they got pregnant with my brother. They take my uh, half sister along and they end up moving to the US. And very shortly after that, I was born. Um, so as far as a lot of my art background, uh, there, there hardly isn't anyone in my family that can't uh, create or make art to some degree. My sister could uh, draw a little bit. My brother could draw a little bit. My, my mother is pretty crafty. She um, was a great dancer when she was young. Uh, my father can draw actually quite well, even though he does not uh, any longer at this stage in his life. It's just something he lost interest in, in you know, 40 years ago. Uh, my uncle was a very accomplished oil painter. Uh, my grandmother could oil paint as well. My aunt was good with pastels. Um, there's just a long line of artists in my family. My brother's kids, both of them can draw. It's, it, honestly, if you were born in my family, you can draw. <laughs> it's just a genetic thing. Uh, but for me, it really took, you know, um, my parents told me, I guess when I was three, one day I decided I wanted a pen and paper. My mom is excited. She's thinking I'm going to do the alphabet with you know, those little plastic templates where you, you know, draw the alphabet. And instead I drew a picture and that was the first time they'd seen me do that. And they're like, wow, the kid just drew immediately. You know, I didn't scribble. I actually made a, you know, house and people walk in. And it was actually our, our family, a, a pet dog I didn't have. <laughs> but anyways, 
So they saw that and they're like, all right, wow, this kid actually can just sort of do this. So let's encourage it. And my parents did, you know, my dad made it a point to draw, uh, buy stacks of uh, just cheap typing paper from the grocery store every, every couple of weeks. And I would just fill it up. And my dad, uh, you know, slowly started bringing anatomy books home. And that was something that was really like important to him um, as far as like just having a good foundation in drawing. He says, you know, if you can learn to draw people, then you can draw everything. And, and, I, and I agree with that. You know, it's something that we're all familiar with and we know when it's wrong. Even people that don't draw well at all, they can tell when that's, it doesn't look right. You know, you got a wonky eyeball, you know, your spacing is incorrect. You know, universally, most people have very similar breakdowns, uh, you know, so trying to learn those types of things like drawing a Loomis or Riley met, uh, method head or, um, you know, uh, Bert Hogarth, had a lot of Bert Hogarth uh, books. Um, but yeah, definitely a lot of the Andrew Loomis stuff and uh, Bridgman, you know, so th those kinds of things that I kind of either were introduced to by my father or, or, or kind of reintroduced to when I was in my twenties, when I went, was trying to take these things more seriously, you know, uh, I grew up pretty poor. I uh, didn't have the opportunity to go to art school. You know, it was, you know, I just, the way things were at the time, it was very difficult for me to get government loans. You know, my parents, or at least my father at that stage of my life, was just making enough money finally now that I was moved out of the house that I didn't qualify <laughs> for like certain level of financial aid. So that was frustrating. You know, all my best friends are now like they're all going to the Academy of Art in San Francisco. And uh although in hindsight looking back at that, you know, um I didn't accumulate debt. I'm still doing artwork for a living as most of my friends are not, um, excluding one does 3D animation and does quite well with it. So yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of one of those things where art was just, it's always been part of my life. It's always what I saw myself doing. And then I'm sure a lot of tattooers on here, you know, things that I'm saying are, are, are probably familiar. You know, uh, I think that's, that might be a lot of our stories, you know, um, some ones that sound like mine, the kid that could draw, <laughs> you know? So yeah, it was just, it was a way I could make friends. I was kind of socially awkward. I, you know, I didn't really know how to introduce myself to people. And it was just one of those things where super easy. All you gotta do is sit down, start drawing pictures. Kids are going to swarm around me. I'm getting positive feedback. I'm getting to know people's names. They're asking about me. I tell some silly jokes, draw funny pictures of the teacher. And before you know it, I got buddies. <laughs> you know, it, was, it was cool, you know, um, but mainly, you know, really is my, my father. Uh, really, I would look for his advice. You know, that was something I learned right from the beginning, which was, I don't know what I'm doing, but I think I have a knack for it. Um, so just kind of like taking time to hear his criticism, really, and not, not being like upset by it, or at least maybe the way he shared those criticisms, I didn't find upsetting. It was really just like, oh, he he told me a piece that I'm missing. So that means the next time I show him my drawings, I need to meet that goal. And, you know, and eventually rather than it being him where I would be seeking that advice from, I would just kind of do it with myself. You know, I 
you know, be very critical of my own work. Um, yeah, I, I thought I was going to grow up to do like fantasy illustration or comic books or something like that. Uh, you know, tattooing on, honestly wasn't something I thought I was going to do. Um, you know, it was, it just wasn't in my wheelhouse. I didn't have, you know, family members that had tattoos. Uh, you know, you know, it's funny, like I grew up in the Bay area, you know, all, you know, through the eighties, through the nineties, you know, and you know, I guess in the, you know, in the nineties, like the, the Bay area, San Francisco particularly had like basically a tattooing renaissance. Um, so, you know, all this stuff is happening, uh, right before, you know, I ended up moving to San Diego, um, moved to San Diego in my very early twenties. I was 21. And I, at that time I was working for a bunch of small record labels, uh, super into like underground hip hop music and scratch DJing stuff. You know, I own turntables. I'm a, I'm a little bit of a nerd for that kind of stuff myself, you know, but, um, you know, just that's what I was doing. I was making artwork for this kind of stuff. And, you know, although I liked the music, I wasn't super into that kind of art, but hey, it was a career, you know, at least I thought it was the beginning right. of a career, um, being able to you know, do commercial art and illustration. And that lasted for a little while, you know, I was paying bills, barely, you know, like just trying to make it. And San Diego, so lucky to end up here. This, in my opinion, might be the greatest city to tattoo in. There are so many incredible tattooers here. It's kind of ridiculous. It's uh, honestly really hard. If you want to come to San Diego and start tattooing here and you haven't been here for 10, 15 years already, it can be tough. You know, it's a, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a heavy hitter market here. And um, but when I got here, it, was, it wasn't quite that extreme. There's definitely some great people here. Um, it just wasn't so many. You know, I think eventually people started, see, kind of kept seeing it here. But yeah, being lucky to, to come here and, and learn to tattoo here. Uh, yeah, I, I started tattooing at uh, Tahiti Felix's Master Tattoo. Uh, this is uh, down uh, the gas lamp in San Diego. It's been open since 1949. Uh, super amazing shop, really incredible history. I, I learned uh, under the two owners, uh, Maurice and uh, uh, Hiro uh, Lynch. Uh, those are the sons of Tahiti Felix. And uh, their uh, brother-in-law, uh, Gil Taimana, uh, uh, they were all there. They were running the show. And um, they introduced me to Denny Bernard, who's another artist that worked there. And Denny pretty much decided that he was going to be the one to teach me. So officially I was the shop's apprentice, but it became very clear that uh, Denny was going to teach me. Um, so, yeah, I would say he, he as far as my, the way I think about tattoos um, has everything to do with the things that he kind of opened my eyes to. Um, he focused on large scale Japanese tattoos and he was very, very, um, very adamant about composition. And I could relate to that because my father was the same, you know, uh, even though my father kind of abandoned drawing, um, he was obsessed with photography and the rule of thirds and composition and, 
you know, this type of thing. And, you know, and it just, when I saw tattooing on a large scale, it did something for me that I didn't see in traditional, like drawing, painting, like 2D type art form. Uh, There's more something that I would see in a sculpture uh, that tattoos, because of the, the surface that we're using, we have to think really three-dimensionally. It's not just about making a cool illustration. It's about thinking about logically, like how does this play out on someone's body? Um, so yeah, man, I, I might've, I might've gone a little long with that, but anyways. No, no, that's, that's totally fine. Uh, you know, you, you brought up Denny. Um, Denny was a huge influence on me as well. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, I credit him for giving me what I like to call my first like real like big boy tattoo you know Mm. that wasn't done by one of the local artists where I live you know it was someone that I sought out I'd been following uh, made the trip out there and um, you know just was in awe of the Japanese stuff that he was doing Mm. Um, you know so I really credit him for like really opening my eyes to a lot of different things Uh, so it's it's you know, I think it's amazing and fascinating that, you know, the same person can influence so many different people across the board mm. over the years. And I don't think that they realize the impact that they actually have on different people and different, uh, you know, of different walks of life in different parts of the world. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So speaking of artists and stuff like that that you admire uh who would you say some of your biggest influences are doesn't have to be tattoo artists can be fine artists can be you know sculptors photographers you know any anyone out there that does art who would you say your biggest influences would be so obviously the first i mentioned my father because uh he was the first person to get me used to critique <laughs> which is something artists need to get used to. Uh, and again, critique if you're asking, you know, uh, uh, I, I used to do this and I try to not make it a habit of doing this, but um, I think because I was very used to that in the early beginning, the beginning part of my career of having this very open critique. Um, I've learned since that, not you know, not everyone wants to hear your critique, <laughs> you know, uh, and my critique may not be right, you know, so some of us are doing, uh, you know, different things with a different intention. Um, so, and I, and I think that's okay. Um, but if you are open to critique, um, I think that was very valuable. So that's a huge life, life lesson. And, and I got it from my father. So of course, him being an artist, that would be my first. Um, but outside of that, and I'm going to start with artists that aren't tattooers, you know, because there's that person that I was before tattooing. Um, so Frank Frazetta, um, I loved uh, his use of color, texture, uh, how dynamic uh, his paintings were. Um, Alphonse Mucha, um, that is someone that I kind of rediscovered as a tattoo artist. And I, and I always enjoyed their work, but once I started tattooing, their work meant something different to me, Uh, particularly the commercial work, the the illustration, Um, because the way Luca would uh, break things down into really simple forms, uh, his use of line weight, 
um, his use of contrast and really sim simple, elegant design, you know, uh, and the way he would use a French curve um, for the sort of Art Nouveau, you know, S shape that I think a lot of tattooers are used to, especially if you do um, Japanese or like biomechanical type work. Um, that shape or those shapes like that are really lend hand to the human form. It, it fits perfectly on arms. It fits perfectly on legs. It, it, it just makes sense. Um, and to see Muka's work, I mean, virtually everything that he designed, even though it was for a, you know, a poster, um, you can almost take these things and expand them large enough and you could fit, you know, like this is a perfect rim to thigh to knee <laughs> panel, you know, or, or wow, this, is, this would make a great sleeve. You'd hardly have to change anything to make it work, uh, which I don't find in a lot of artwork outside of tattooing. Although I think the rules of painting, like composition and photography are a little different. You know, they're, they're, they bear some um, crossover, uh, but tattooing, you're, you're really trying to think about that shape on a person's body. And, you know, look, looking at his artwork, it kind of just did that. You know, um, and it's not surprising to me that a lot of tattooers um, can relate to Muka. Um, for sure, I love you know, sculptures from Bernini. Um, you know, Bougereau, uh, I think, is an amazing, just incredible oil painter. Um, you know, definitely one of my favorites. Uh, Leindecker, I love Leindecker stuff. Um, yeah, it's just a lot of artists out there that I mean, I could go on. You know. <laughs> Fair enough. But uh, yeah, as far as tattooers, um, probably the first three tattooers that really stood out to me, uh, first being Philip Blue, uh, because Denny was so impacted by Philip Blue, and I think a lot of European tattooers uh, were and are. Um, he's really like the OG, you know, great wave of the 90s uh tattooers um the next artist that had a big uh, impact on me i would say would be aaron kane um again uh i think the way he drew biomech um particularly um but not just that i mean even work that he didn't do that was that it had this art nouveau influence you could tell he was very influenced by alphonse Muka. you know it's weird because I, I think a lot of people uh think of hr geiger when they think of biomechanical um but when you look at what aaron kane was doing or marcus pacheco or guy atchison um they they kind of went different directions with it trying to do something that was more uh useful in the in the way a tattoo would work and yeah definitely what aaron was doing had a lot to do with that um Steve Moore, um, you know, yeah. Canadian tattooer. Uh, I, I think he really, he makes the most beautiful compositions. I, I, I hardly can think of anyone who can compose a better design. Um, whether or not you like his style, whether or not you like his approach to tattooing, I, I think just appreciating it for like the, the thought that goes behind his designs um, 
really, really impressive. And then uh, Rob Costa, love Rob Costa's work. Um, love uh, Bar Sube. Um, people might know him as uh, Loose Lips. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but he's, uh, oh, incredible, incredible. Um, in, more, in more recent years, uh, really became a fan of Emily Rose Murray. Uh, again, super beautiful stuff. And there's a lot of tattooers I like, just um, even though they don't tattoo in a way that's close to me at all. Um, I love Mike Rubendahl's work. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I, Ed Hardy, obviously, uh, such an amazing impact on tattooing. Um, yeah, you know, Grimey, uh, uh, you know, I think maybe I relate to him a little bit more artistically. Um, but yeah, another just goddamn someone that I saw in the beginning, I was like, I want to fucking tattoo like that and then and then obviously marcus pacheco i got i get he's i think all of all of uh modern like illustrative tattooing you can pretty much tie to marcus um you know there wouldn't you wouldn't see the a lot of the things i think many of us do today if it wasn't for for marcus um yeah so that's a long list yeah well, I mean, it's always good to understand like where some of these influences are coming from. And then, you know, what I always like to do is I'll, I'll go through and I'll interview a few people and I'll find out who their influences are and where they really got their drive for it and what really influences their work. And then I'll, it's almost like overnight, I start to see those influences in all of the drawings they do, all of the paintings they do. And it's like, oh, okay, I can, I can see now you know, how this person was inspired by, you know, this piece or how they were, you know, where did they get this concept to render things in this way from, mm. you know, you can start to see certain uh, similarities and parallels mm. between their influences, their primary influences and the work that they produce and put out. Mm. So it's, to me, it's, it's always fascinating to see like, what really drives a person and what really inspires them and who their biggest inspirations are because I'm, and I mean, I can tell you just by looking at some of the biomech work that you've done, you know, I can see a very heavy influence from Aaron Kane in that um, with a lot of the metallic structures and the tubular forms, um, how it's, you know, very sharp and very edgy, but how you have these beautiful color contrasts in there that just really bring a lot of shapes to life. Um, so for me, it's like, oh, okay, I see it. I get it. You know, it, it's just something that I personally like to pick up on and try to understand. Um, but speaking of art, um, how important, I know you work in a lot of different secondary mediums outside of tattooing. I know you do a lot of oil painting um, and you work in a lot of different mediums as well how important to you is working in a second medium? Um, I think as far as like having a, a soulful experience um, and being connected to who I am as an artist, it's incredibly important. Um, you know, I mean, that's just the reality of tattooing or at least the reality of tattooing where, where I'm at in my career. Um, you know, I, I'm a, an artist for hire uh, with that. And, and that's great. That's, that's, a, I mean, I, I make a living from that. You know, I, I own a home, I own, 
you know, things. I can buy stuff. I can hopefully retire if I want. <laughs> you, know? uh, you know, and that's pretty cool for a kid that just was like, I don't know, what are you going to do when you grow up? I draw pictures. Hopefully it works. <laughs> you know? So that's, that's great. Uh, but there's the artist that I was and am before tattooing, uh, you know, and this is something that I think is just something for any, any young artist to think about. I think a lot of us are very used to our art being a very private thing. It's something that you do. Um, it's just a, a way to sort of be in your, in your head. It can be a type of meditation. Um, it, it can uh, help a person, or at least it does for me. It helps me kind of escape um, it's just things in my life or in some ways I, I even use it to sort of um, problem solve things that are going on in my life um, because it's it's such a, a great way for me to focus um, that when, as things enter my mind I can kind of uh, take time with those thoughts and feelings you know and art has always been that vehicle for me to do that um, beyond just the technical aspects of it uh, the other thing that I really like about making art outside of tattooing is that I can challenge myself to try and do things that I maybe wouldn't do with a client. You know, things I'm like, you know, I've got these ideas. I don't know what to do with them. Uh, I need to practice this, you know, whatever it is, you know, maybe you want to get really good at filigree, or maybe you really want to get really good at drawing water um or or just sort of really just studying shapes you know that's something that um i did you know i did a little bit of that before tattooing uh, but most of my focus with art before tattooing was uh not so design driven you know uh that kind of came later tattooing is really what sort of opened my eyes to more simplified abstract forms um you know, I, I personally have more of a tendency to want to render, um, to draw things with more complex lighting. Um, but that doesn't always uh, work so well, tattooing. Uh, the, the tattoos that I find that, you know, often work the best are super simple. And so just doing that outside of your tattoo work, not waiting for a client to open this opportunity to you, um, and just doing it on, on your own, you know, I find for me, that's really why, uh, a good reason as to why I do it. It's the, the, the soulful experience of, of being an artist and getting my own personal ideas out, my personal message, my, my own uh, thought patterns. And, you know, I can now sort of share this and allow people to see it and interpret it however they want, you know, and just sort of honestly, even to see how people might relate to the things I've made. Uh, surprised at the things that people like. Often, often things that people like the most are often the things that I'm like, I hate this. Why does anyone like this? You know, I was I was thinking about throwing this thing away in the alley. You know, someone wants it. You know, but uh, that's you know that's funny. It kind of like it helps me to sort of tap into that too. I'm like, all right, they're seeing something that I didn't notice. So what is that? What is it that they like? Because I I think it's awful. You know, and so that might make me revisit that, you know, so being able to do those things and not waiting for clients or, or just letting your tattoo work do that. Um, 
And so that's that's a big part of it. But also, um, it gives me a chance to explore color in a different way. Um, you know, I, I don't try to make my tattooing look like my painting. I, I try to treat them very differently. Um, Interesting. Okay. You know, so for me, oil painting is oil painting. Tattooing is tattooing. They're not the same. Because with oil painting, I'm not sitting there thinking, what's this going to look like in 20 years? <laughs> you know, right. Or, right. or how loose can I be? You know, uh, or how much detail am I allowed to get away with? You know, none of that matters with oil painting. You're just you're making a nice picture. If I want to be super loose, great. If I want to be super tight and detailed, great. If I want to, uh, have, you know, lost edges and, you know, a lot of these things that, um, I, I just come from a mindset of tattooing that's, I think, much more traditional uh, when it comes to, like, the longevity of a tattoo. So artwork outside of tattooing frees me from those restrictions. And those are self-imposed restrictions. Um, okay. But those are things I've learned, you know, just from my time in tattooing. I've been doing this over a few decades. I see how tattoos age and... You know, when you start doing a lot of large work, it's like, I don't want to have to redo someone's tattoo that I just did five years ago because I was trying to get a really cool painterly, you know, Instagram photo. And that's for me, you know, like I, I'm not saying that that's what other tattooers should do, but it is definitely something I think about. You know, I, I don't want tattoos on me that aren't going to age well. I don't want to make tattoos they go on people that aren't going to age well. That is the number one thing that I think about when I'm tattooing. How is this going to age? Um, but with painting, I can escape that. I don't have to worry about that at all. It gives me an opportunity to sort of say, Phew. That's <laughs> awesome, dude. Cool. <laughs> you know? You know? So, yeah, that's, that's, you know, there's that. that you know, it, it's fascinating that you say that because, I know that there are some artists that are out there that um, um, hold on and I'm going to actually remove this and we'll set that up for speaker. So I know that there are certain artists that are out there that actually find a correlation and they, they tattoo like they oil paint and they oil paint like they tattoo and they follow a very similar process. And, you know, it's, it's their way of continuing on to keep their hand moving, even when they're not in the midst of tattooing, you know, but you're taking a very different approach to it, you know, and that's something that I, I heavily respect, um, you know, is that you, you draw that line and you draw that division between the tattoos that you do, and the aspects that you're looking for in those tattoos, and then the secondary artwork that you create outside of that, mm. you know, and the fact that you focus on longevity you know, is a very important part. It's a very important thing. Um, and the more artists that I talk to in this day and age, you know, that have this kind of experience and this kind of a background behind them, it, it's something that I find to be a parallel between a lot of different artists where they're really focused on that longevity. You know, they're not planning for how's this going to look, you know, in a year or two. They're thinking, how is this tattoo that I just did? How is that going to look? 40 or 50 years down the road, yeah. you know, how is this going to age and how can I design this to last even longer, you know? Yeah. And that, that to me is fascinating. I love that aspect. 
So, yeah, but we, we do have several other questions and stuff like that to get through. Um, so let's, let's move on to the next one. Um, and I'm going to spotlight you again. So how would you categorize the style or type of tattoos that you really like to do? Um, I like to do illustrative tattooing. So meaning that I draw things in a way that uh, are um, I, representational of the way things that the way things actually look in real life. So I try to use more realistic anatomy. Um, you know, try to actually study the way something actually looks. Um, and then uh, what I also focus on is trying to give things movement. So uh, Art Nouveau. Um, so I, I like to think that I do an illustrative Art Nouveau that's kind of neo-traditional in a way. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I'm not a fan of like, uh saying like like i do like doing a lot of japanese stuff i have that's super prominent in my work that you can see there's that influence um but i don't think of myself as an artist that does that even though i do i definitely do that stuff um or like i do a lot of biomechanical stuff um but i also don't think of myself as an artist who's a biomechanical artist i think that the things that i'm doing with those types of art are just an extension of Art Nouveau. Um, so, yeah, my, the category that I think of is I do an illustrative Art Nouveau um, that has the, the qualities that I find similar in traditional tattooing, black lines, black shading, large open space, um, solid saturation of color, um, you know, that type of thing. Well, that that's... Actually, you just touched on something that was going to be one of my next questions. Um, if you had to pick one element in the tattoos that you do, uh, whether it be, you know, depth or color or uh, lighting or contrast or the use of line or composition, um, how... You know, if there was one thing that you would say you really try to look at and you really try to put the most emphasis on, what would it be? Composition. Composition. Okay. Yeah. And the reason I say that is if it's well composed, meaning the designed to fit the form well, uh, that is the hardest part of the struggle um, in, in being a great tattooer um and then the second would be outlines uh you know being good at making clean black lines you know um and then black shading you know putting putting shadows down you know those three things no color at all you know if you're designing it so it fits the body and the spaces are large so that they will age well if you just use black lines and black shading no color at all and it looks good, that, that is a true um, uh, way to sort of see into the future of your tattoo. You're like, if this looks good from across the street, just as black lines, black shading, you know, and say 60% of it is skin, that's gonna be a great tattoo. If it's missing those components, to me, um, 
ah, it's kind of a failure, <laughs> you know, uh, at least for me, you know, um, yeah, that's, so that's, those are the two things, you know, that I really think of the most, you know, composition, use of black and again, well, and I, and I, and I, when I say composition, meaning sized appropriately, you know, not, you know, not right. just how it flows and fits on someone is it sized appropriately, you know? Awesome. Awesome. Now that actually brings me up to another question. Um, do you prefer to work on large scale multi-session pieces or do you prefer to work, you know, primarily with uh, smaller, like one shot start to finish that day, or maybe two days back to back? Um, you know, what scale do you usually prefer to work with? As big as possible. That's, that's my preference. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome awesome that's what i like to hear um yeah. is there a reason behind that do you like to see the evolution of it over time do you just feel like it fits the body better or that you have more room for the composition do you feel like you can achieve more detail or more you know rendering where you need to with it um any specific reasoning why um yeah uh i think compositionally it prevents mistakes, you know, like back in the nineties, right. Before the nineties, eighties, seventies, you know, excluding Japanese tattooing and Polynesian tattooing, um, right. the Western type of tattooing or commercial type of tattooing was pick a little thing, get a little thing, pick a little thing, get a little thing, pick a little thing, get a little thing. And so when you're done, even if each one of those things is done really well, it's a mess, you know, it doesn't work well together. It's not a thought out composition. And since tattoos are permanent and we only get so many opportunities to do this, my thought is use as much space as the client is willing to let you use and try to draw it as simple as possible for the space, you know, and that's a little bit of an arm wrestle with the client, you know, like, the way I would prefer to draw things, like there's the there's the ideal tattoo I want to do, and then the tattoo the, the client will let me do, you know. So, you know, there's a little bit of a compromise, you know. That's that's just the reality of tattooing. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I think uh, that's that's really my reason for it. You know, it's just I I want to be able to be thinking ahead, you know, and that's something I actually learned um from Denny when he taught me he said you know <laughs> I actually love this it's such a funny funny way to describe it he's like I don't think of myself as a tattooer and he goes I think of myself as a tailor because in the end I'm making a suit <laughs> and, I, yep. and I remember when he told me that I was like that is the craziest most amazing thing I've ever heard and I don't know if that's an original thing from him or if that's just something he picked up somewhere but it made so much sense to me, you know, uh, especially when I saw like uh, persons like Philip Blue's work, you know, for the first time and how, how well he thought about the, the future of the tattoo. Like if someone wanted a dragon, right. You'd be like, yeah, cool. We're going to do a dragon. Um, yeah. We're just going to do like the claw here. And then like, you're going to see like a chunk of its head and you're good. And, you know, most people would be like, oh, I want to get a dragon from here to here. And they're going to want the whole goddamn dragon. <laughs> and Philip was like, yeah, no. you get a claw 
and or then that's it. <laughs> or maybe we're gonna a do a claw and then like an eyebrow and an eye, and then right. that's that that right. will give you the idea of the dragon without it being a full dragon, but it's right. gonna take up your entire back. Right. You know? So he's already thinking of doing everything. Right. And let's say if the person chooses not to do everything, that's still okay. They still end up with a cool looking tattoo that will age great. Um, it's not just you know, social media ruins these things. <laughs> Every, everything's like for this little picture in your phone. And, you know, so people, uh, younger tattooers, and this isn't your fault. This is social media. This is the way that, that those platforms work is that they really celebrate uh, things that can be seen in one little picture. And really, that's just not how tattoos, you know, can work. Um, you know, for me, that higher level of tattooing um, reaches for that full body composition. Um, and yeah, social media doesn't reward that, you know, unfortunately, social media rewards. Um, this, I, this is a 14 year old person that's on the platform. They don't know anything about tattoos uh, and they're going to like uh, something that they think they might get. You know, and they're not thinking, oh, I'm going to get a whole fucking body of tattoos. Excuse my language. They're thinking, oh, I'm going to get this rad little thing. And they don't know about how it ages or any of that stuff. Right. None of that stuff matters to them, you know. Um, and they don't, they don't, and why would it? Why would they wouldn't know that? I didn't know that before I started getting tattooed. And if I got a lot of the things that I would have got um, in, you know, my late teens, early 20s, um, yeah, I'd, I'd have a lot of weird stuff on me, you know, and so I'm glad you that and I... me both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and right. me both. Yeah, yeah. So many uh, of us. Yeah, <laughs> many yeah. Of us do actually. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've been getting quite a few cover-ups done over the past few years, and yeah. um, you know, I was actually uh, I was over at Hyperspace Studio. I've been going there like once every 18 months or so uh getting guy to work on a cover up for me and um you know just looking at the process that he's using is just mind-blowing right mm -hmm. you know got tattoos when i was younger and didn't really you know i i got them more or less because one of the artists i was working with was trying to build their portfolio and wanted sure. to do a piece to put in their portfolio. So, okay, cool, fine, whatever. I've got this blank area on my leg. Like, yeah, fill it in. Why not? Mm -hmm. Right. Looking at it years down the road, you turn around and you look at it and you're like, why did I do that? That was not a good decision. This, no. this, no, this is definitely not what I need or want right now. This is not what my better bigger vision is for how I want my body to look, you know, yeah. overall, but you, yeah. a lot of people that are younger don't have that kind of, you know, concept of time and how they really want their bodies to look. So I, I get it. I do, you know, but it also gives us a chance to practice cover-ups and, you know, it's, it, it can be a fun thing, you know, yeah. um, I, some I of it can be way more challenging, but you know, it's, it, we learn. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but speaking of which, what are some of the biggest challenges that you have faced in your career so far and how have you overcome them? 
uh, owning a business for one, that uh, was probably one the, the biggest, more recent challenge. I mean, I say recent, it's I, geez, I think I've had this shop almost 13 years now. Um, yeah, trying to transition from just being an artist at someone else's shop to being a business owner and now dealing with, you know, trying to like lead the ship and be, you know, be responsible or be a good leader, be a good listener, try not to be a micromanager. You know, we, we have, uh, there's 10 of us that all tattoo here in my shop. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's a big it, studio. It, what's that? That's a big studio. Well, it, it is. And it isn't. We have, we have, you know, it's funny. Like I'm in California in San Diego. Oh, well, true. Yeah, true. Yeah, re real estate is, uh, it's at a premium here. So yeah. 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 So we have about, we have eight seats in the shop. Two of the seats are actually, we have a garage that's uh, remodeled and that has two of the stations out there. Um, but there are 10 tattooers here. Two, two of them are part-time. They're only here a day or two a week. Uh, life circumstances. You know, so really at the most we can have eight in a day. And honestly, like it's very rare that we have all eight tent stations going, maybe one or two days a week that we might have all eight going. Most of the time it's about four or five of us working in a day. Um yeah. Uh Bill, you know, it's expensive out here, man. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. It's like it takes so many of us just to like, you know just to break even like how long does it take to break even how long does it take to you know so there's that you know like things that i i didn't know you know before i owned a shop when i used to work for other people i'd be like why do they do it that way and you're like my i imagine that they're like making all this money and you know and then when i finally go do it myself i'm like geez you know sometimes i think i i, I did better working for other people <laughs> right? it's kind of impressive like how much money this all it, it all takes um yeah you know having a counter person you know that realizing how important that person is you know that's the that's the hello at the door um that's the hello on the phone um that you know trying to get that person to do the thing that a lot of tattooers just can't you know uh i am the absolute worst at um you know multitasking I don't, I don't want to talk to someone who's asking about a tattoo while I'm currently texting someone, you know? So, you know, like those kind of things, you know, like that, that's a, all that stuff is a very big challenge for me, you know, going from just an artist at a shop to, uh, you know, owning my own shop and, and, you know, the first five years of owning the shop, um, you know, honestly, I, I sort of was depressed about it a little bit, you know, like there was this, you know, wondering like, like, ah, oh, when do I get to, you know, make my art? When do I get to um, not feel like just this tattoo machine? Um, you know, I, I work 60, 70 hours a week still. You know, this is 13 years of owning a shop. <laughs> right. Like, when, you know, when does it get, you know, uh, it, it doesn't, you know. Um, so, but, I, you know, I met more piece of that. You know, I, I learned how to sort of... Um, purposely take time off at certain points of the year uh, to do that. Um, and to, you know, hey, if I get a cancellation that day, oh man, sweet nectar. <laughs> 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 you know I, mean? I need it. You know? 
Um, yeah, so that stuff. Before owning a shop, man, it was just like, I want to get, I want to get the opportunities to do the big stuff. You know, because the guy that I learned from, Denny, that's what he did was big stuff. I also learned, you know, learned uh, Nathan Wells worked there on uh, Chris Walken worked there. Um, these were great, are great tattooers, all of them. Um, so they were, you know, big influences to me. Um, yeah, for sure. And so, you know, and I think that's part of the reason why I do a lot of the tattooing that I do do is this sort of illustrative meets biomech meets japanese meets art nouveaus because honestly that's kind of a little bit of what everyone in that shop was doing you know and i think i just sort of took the the my favorite pieces you know from each person that was working around and, and each artist they introduced me to and you know and i was like all right these are my favorite pieces how do i put this together and you know write my story with tattooing um and yeah, so trying to trying to figure out what I wanted to even say with tattooing. And then, you know, trying to get those clients that wanted that, you know, and a big part of it was just drawing, 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 painting, drawing. You know, for the first five, six years, it was a little bit of the opposite of what I was talking about, where I keep my painting separate from my tattooing. Um, there was a long while where I sort of abandoned, um, you know, more traditional art. Uh, in favor of doing things that look like a tattoo. You know, I was like, I want to understand like how to draw like a tattooer. And I want to make designs for tattooing, um, which was beneficial to me. You know, it gave me an opportunity to showcase my artwork in my station, uh, put it online and, you know, different places where I could do that. And then people could then see what I was trying to make. And, you know, Financially, this, you know, didn't help me much, but there's something, what else I also did is, you know, if I had friends or like certain clients that I was close with, I was like, all right, you're the person that gets the hookup. You're the person I'm going to come in and tattoo every other weekend for, I don't know, give me a fucking sandwich. Right. <laughs> give me nothing. Your skin is payment, you know, uh, to build that portfolio. And I mean, you got to be careful with that though. Like, I, you know, you're, it's one thing I tried to address with all the people that I would take care of like that is my hourly rate is this. If anyone asks you, this is my hourly rate. Right. Not, yo, this is my buddy hooked me up because I don't want to hook up anyone else. I'm hooking up you. I'm not hooking up your cousin, your friend, your neighbor. Right. I don't care. <laughs> you know, you're the unicorn. <laughs> the rest of them, they got to pay me, you know? And so that's something else that I, you know, had to learn. Um, kind of where to cut that off, you know, um, but, you know, it was super helpful, you know, when I hear tattooers, and I'm doing this 10 years or whatever, like, oh, I never get to do what I want to do. And I'm like, do you? Why is that? You know, and for me, I just found that, uh, and, I, and that's, I, I don't want to be mean, like sound like I'm making fun of someone that would think like that, you know, because um, I can understand like that's frustrating. But there is a solution, and the solution is we all know people that probably would get the things that we want, but just financially aren't capable of doing it. And if that's someone I'm close with and I feel like I can get that exchange with, and not in a way that I'm, take, I'm being taken advantage of, where it, this is a mutual exchange, I'm getting the skin for my portfolio, and they're getting this rad tattoo. Um, yeah, so, you know, hey, if, if 
every one of us that wasn't reaching what we wanted as tattoo artists, you know, just took five or 10 clients aside every year. And then just said, these are my portfolio people. I don't care what bum, nowhere, middle of nowhere, no one can see you town you live. Uh, you can find these people and you can make that portfolio. And that's going to, because people want to see it. You know, that's just the truth of it. You know, it doesn't, I, like, I remember in the beginning, I thought, man, I'm going to just do this rad drawing and people are going to see it. And then they're, they're going to know that I can do it. And then that's not what would happen. I would do this, you know, thing that I was really, you know, uh, stoked on. And then the person would end up getting tattooed by some other more experienced tattooer in town that kind of couldn't really draw the things that I was drawing, you know, right. but we're like doing a thing that I was trying to do. And that was so frustrating to me because the reality is I didn't have it in my portfolio as a tattoo. So no matter how well I could draw it, you know, someone who's going to pay good money may not give that to you because they're like, well, I'm looking in your book and all I see is this and you're telling right. me you want this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that, that was for me, a, a, a way to, a way to do that, you know, try to get those clients, you know, that wanted that. And, you know, that was how we did it, you know, put the artwork out there, find people that were willing to um, not, again, not in a way that was going to take advantage of me. Um, that was mutually beneficial. Yeah. You know, that was a lot of it, you know. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, what do you see as some of the the current or future challenges that you may be facing, you know, in the next, I don't know, 10 years or so? Um, and how are you planning on preparing for those? So that's. <laughs> that's I know I'm, I'm throwing that to you out of left field here, but. There's a few different things. Uh, AI. You know, I think that's a, a, pro a potential problem. Um, I think for the fakers, it's going to make it easier for them to be fakers. Um, I'm not all that worried about it because we've had Photoshop forever. We've had photocopy machines and photographs forever. You know, there is nothing stopping anyone from tracing things and sticking things together and rendering things, you know, um, you know, maybe that's really mean of me to say fakers, you know, like it's, it's really just a different design process. It's just one that I don't connect to. So maybe I want to, I, I want to be gentle no, I, say that. <laughs> I, I feel you. I feel you on that. You know, um, I think AI is a big concern for a lot of artists out there. And, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, how do we prepare for that? How do we, how do we approach that? Yeah. But, so. I think that AI can offer uh, a way to thumbnail some things, get some ideas, but ultimately in the end, at least for me, I want to do that. I want to do the hard work and draw it, <laughs> you know, like, um, so I use photo reference. Um, I look at photos when I draw. Uh, I use anatomy books when I draw, um, but, I do retain a lot of that stuff so that if the book isn't there, the photo isn't there, I can invent things with my mind and I can do things in a way that um, literally no one else can do. I can do it the way that I know how to, 
you know. Um, and, you know, computers aren't doing that. What they're doing is they're sourcing existing work from other artists on the internet or wherever they're getting it. And they are mishmashing these things together and kind of churning something out. Um, and, you know, to be honest, a lot of it's beautiful. You know, if I was like, this this would be one of the greatest top-tier illustrators today. Look at this. This is amazing. You know? Um, but you're not, I'm, I don't believe we're going to see the next Alphonse Mucha, Aaron King, Guy Aitchison, <laughs> Philip Blue. We're not going to see that from the back. You know, right. what we're going to see is the next sort of carbon copy of the thing that was already there, you know? Um, uh, you know, I, I encourage people to not be afraid of technology, but I also encourage people to not, to not just only use the technology. It is a tool. It is not the answer, at least not for me. It's not the answer for me. Um, so that's one thing that I, I think about a lot, you know, and, and, and I think that clients appreciate that a lot. Um, I think a lot of clients, just the idea of getting something that's AI tattooed is repulsive. I think a lot of, uh, you know, and I, I don't mean that there's anything wrong with it. There isn't anything wrong with it. You know, um, I don't want to sound like I'm judging people. I, you know, I want to be clear that I want to do what works for me. Um, and, you know, what I believe works for my clients. I think that I, in making something unique for me and for my client is very important to me. Um, and, you know, that's the audience I want to talk to. That's the audience I want to connect with. And that's how I'd like to keep it. Um, and I think for a lot of young artists that maybe are, uh, don't feel like they have the chops um, drawing wise, my answer is AI is not going to do that for you. Um, take time drawing every day, lots. I draw every day. There's, uh, I am 45 years old. Since I was three years old, I had drawn almost every single day of my life. Um, and that's, it's just so necessary to me. Um, you know, that comes uh, back to a, um, that actually reminds me of, um, uh, a great quote that I once heard, uh, where the hard way is actually the easy way, right? Yeah. You do something the hard way and you take the long road to get there you're going to encounter less problems and you're going to be able to do things that other people wouldn't do, which is going to make it easier for you in the long run. But by yeah. taking the quick way, it's actually going to be a lot longer of a journey for you to actually understand those things and apply them later on. You know, yeah. so the hard way is actually the easy way when it comes down to tattoos and drawing and painting and, you know, producing artwork. Um, it's a personal philosophy that I live by. So I try to draw as much as I can of my own stuff, you know, all the time, much like yourself, you know, I'll have a photo reference or something like that. Like, Oh, here's a really cool angle of a wolf head or, Oh, I really liked the way that this artist drew this tiger with this perspective, you know, or the way that the tail on this tiger kind of wraps around in this unique direction. You know, so I'll take that and it's like, okay, cool. Let me draw something of my own that maybe, you know, hints that or 
is inspired by this thing over here, but it's going to be my own creation. I'm going to deconstruct yeah. the, say I'm drawing a tiger. I'm going to deconstruct the tiger. I'm going to look at tiger anatomy. I'm going to look at how do tigers paws move? You know, if they have yeah. their claws out, how is that go going to uh, change the shape and direction? How, how are their ears going to fold back if they get angry, you know, yeah. or if they're attacking something, you know, if you're going strictly based off of, you know, photos that you find, you're almost never going to find that one perfect photo that you're looking for. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you may occasionally like maybe once a decade find it. Otherwise, you have to go through and you have to take that hard road to create the images that you really need to create for the outcome that you want to have. Yeah, you know, grab a, grab your phone and take your friend outside and throw a sheet on it. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. You know, here, stick these flowers in your hair, like whatever you got to do, like, uh, you know, so uh, me and my girlfriend, J Jasmine Worth, she's an amazing oil painter. Um, and yeah, we shoot reference pretty often, you know, because, Hey, I, I need to draw something. I need to paint something like that's just a, you know, a great way to do it when I, when I can't find the, the resources online. Uh, you know, another super cool trick that, uh, Chris Cockrell, an artist that works here, um, mentioned to me, uh, <clears throat> he said, you know, if you find the way, uh, or the name of something in another language, do that image yep. search. <laughs> you know? Oh so, yeah, you already know. I've I've used that plenty of fucking times. Yeah, um, see different things, you know. Absolutely, because we're only thinking in our native language, right? Like yeah. when we say human skull, that's fine, but that's human skull being pronounced in our native language. But if you go to other native other languages, you type in, you know, go to Google Translate, type in human skull in Portuguese human skull in, um, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, Norwegian, right? You're going to get a completely different set of results because those, those graphic searches are only based off of those keywords in that language, right? Yeah. It's not going to translate those keywords for you. So yeah, uh, that, that's a trick I use all the time. Um, yeah. You know, but that's once again, that's me. And if I'm if I'm looking for like a new unique perspective on something, awesome. That's exact. Uh, I'll go through and I'll do that and I'll find, you know. Uh, and I I hate to kind of bring this reference up, but um, you know, I'll find a full body of a red tail fox, you know. Um, and I I hesitate on bringing that up only because of the latest you know tattoo gate thing. But you know, I'll find a full body and then it's like oh. I like the way that the paws are in that. Cool. Let me sit down. I'm going to draw my own fox, you know, in my own way, using my own mind. And then it's like, if I need to go back through and reference that, if I need to see, okay, how did, how did this tail wrap around? Okay, cool. Now I can look at that one part, but I'm going to try to draw as much of it from my own mind as I possibly can. Mm. Um, you know, but that's, once again, that's just kind of the way that my mind works. Um, I've noticed in a lot of your posts, you have, um, uh, a lot of like, for lack of a better term, you've got a, a golden spiral in there, um, that you use to really kind of start out any kind of like mapping for tattoos or conceptual ideas or anything like that. It almost seems like that tends to be your base layer. 
Um, are you using any other uh, outside of like the rule of thirds, which you already mentioned? Uh, are you using any other kind of like old oil painting master, you know, kind of tricks uh, that might be beneficial for other people to know about to help them improve composition? Um, any other tricks or things like that that you think we might find, you know, helpful? Yeah, yes. Um, so as far as the golden ratio, um, it's, it's something I mostly use, um, in my paintings, um, because it is set up for a rectangle. Um, but there are places on people's body where you can place this rectangle. I have these body templates that I've used for years. I drew them and I have repeating golden ratios in what I think are common logical places for them to be. I don't always keep those golden ratios in the same spaces on those bodysuits. And sometimes I just flat out ignore them um, because I don't want it to look, um, <clears throat> you know, because the tattoo composition is very continuous. It isn't, again, on a flat piece of paper, but I want to be mindful of that. And what I find if I'm trying to problem solve, like how to draw something, having a golden ratio as an underlayer and then drawing on top of that, it gives me logical stopping points. Um, if I'm drawing a tiger or a bird or whatever, um, it gives me places because the ways that the lines intersect as to where to stop. All right, if I'm going to move the wing here and there's this line, I should, I'm going to stop it here. Um, so I try to try to think of it that way. Uh, what golden ratio is actually doing, the way that I understand it, it's break, basically breaking everything down from 60 to 40. So it's 60% it's of that rectangle is a square, and then 40% is the rectangle. And then that next rectangle, would be 60% square, 40% rectangle. So it's a repeating series of 60-40. And that is a simple way to break down a design. Say, all right, 60% of this will be my main image, 40% of it will be my background. And you can actually flip that around. You can also say 40% will be the main image, 60% the background. For tattooing, we really want the, the primary image, not so much the background. Um, that also works for shadows. 40% of my image is going to be in shadows. That just works great for tattooing. So meaning 40% black, lines included. You know, it's gonna work, it just works. Your eyes like it, <laughs> you know? I don't have to think about it, it just works. Uh, color, you know, 60% warm, 40% cool or, you know, or neutral. Um, you know, so I, I try to repeat that like a mantra in my head and sometimes more successfully than other times, you know, but uh, I try to uh, have that in my mind when I'm drawing, when I'm tattooing, when I'm rendering, painting, um, to really use that. You know, I try to avoid, although with tattoos, sometimes it works for like chest or even a back. Um, I try to avoid what's known as a bullseye composition, uh, which is like all the attention is right in the middle of the square. Really part of that, that rule of thirds, which is really a breakdown of 60-40, is that you don't want to put all your information in the middle of the panel or, say, person's body, right? You know, you really want that attention to be somewhere 
above or below or to the side of that center. You know, that's where your focus should be. It causes the viewer's eyes to want to move around the image. So that way you, you don't have this tendency to just rest your eyes right in the middle and they kind of see nothing else. Because, um, you know, what I'm trying to show the person that's viewing my artwork is I'm trying to guide them through the whole piece. Um, if they just look right in the middle, they're not going to see all the other things that I worked hard on. Um, yeah, so that's really what what I'm trying to do with that. You know, that's something I learned it from my dad when I was a kid. It's just a basic rule of photography. You know, web developers use it well. They used to. Now it's designed on a phone. It kind of doesn't work so well anymore. But used to back <laughs> back right. in the day, that was a thing. So yeah, yeah. So that's what I use. Uh, would you mind if I actually went through? Um, I'm just here surfing your uh, your Instagram page, which I'd mm -hmm. like to share for everyone. Um, sure. I, I was going to pull up one of the posts that you have, um, and maybe you could just take a quick minute, walk us through a few things that you're doing on here, um, and how maybe explain to us what's going through your mind as you're working on it, mm -hmm. um, if if that would be okay with you. Yeah, go for it. Cool. So we've got uh, Terry Ribera's Instagram page uh, go through and make sure that you give him a like and a follow. Um, send him a message if you live in the San Diego area to get tattooed. Dude does awesome work. Um, this is one that I found that I, I absolutely love it. Um, I wish there was a way that you could like pause it and slow-mo it, but I don't think you really can not on instagram uh, well you can pause it you can pause no. it but oh, okay cool all yeah. right so yeah. why don't why don't you give us a, a quick little idea of you know like what you're going off of um what you're trying to achieve what are some of the things that you're you're looking to accomplish in certain aspects of this yeah yeah so you can see right off the gate before I even like really went too far in any of the layout, I put two lines, these V-shaped lines. And those are just really to break up the overall space. And roughly where the bottom V stops is about 60% of that total composition from the back of the knee to the top of the shoulders. And so you can see that that happens again at the shoulder. So, so you're talking about this line here? Uh, no, nah, the, the, the right around with the V, the top of the V sort of stops. Yeah. That's about 60% from the, the back of the knee to that whole composition of the top to the top of the shoulders. Okay. You know, and then again, it repeats same thing. That next V stops at roughly 60% where the armpits are to the top of the shoulders. Gotcha. So that's kind of what I'm talking about is this having this constant sequence of things breaking down from 60, 40, 60, 40. And, I, and I'll do that through the whole drawing. So then as I, as I start to refine each of those segments, I'm repeating that mantra in my head. What, what percentage of this shape is going to be simple and easy to look at and what percentage of the shape is going to be more complex. Um, so with 
with the body, I also am looking for things that kind of go a little bit um, past what um, the golden ratio is doing. I am just looking for rhythm lines. And so a rhythm line, you know, that I'm looking for are breaks in the body. So an armpit, there's a breaking point. Um, an elbow, there's a breaking point. The wrist, it's a breaking point. Um, you know, the bottom of your buttocks um, to your hip, there's a breaking point. So finding where these natural rhythmic points are and just sort of drawing uh, an S curve or a French curve. You know, in this design, I did it symmetrical, but you can also break this and run the line completely across the body if you want to. Um, and so you don't have to do a symmetrical design. And that's really what I'm focusing on is this re repetition of 60-40, um, simple shapes to complex shapes. Um, yeah, so hopefully that makes Fascinating. sense. <laughs> it, it, it does, it does. In fact, um, if we actually, you have one in here, uh, I believe it was this uh, peony back piece. Mm -hmm. um, where this is a, a really good example of how you can flow those shapes, you know, all the way across the whole body mm -hmm. to really kind of accent certain things um, and really create a, a gorgeous asymmetrical kind of composition. Um, I love watching this video, by the way. It, to me, it's like mesmerizing. Just <laughs> lay out your composition, how everything fits and flows with the body in such an amazing way. Um, and we'll pause it right there for just a minute, but you've got foreground and background interaction. You've got all of these like elements that are kind of being clouded by water. So you can already tell that they're going to be kind of visible, but not super visible. These great directional lines that are done with a negative space for, you know, the, the tops of, you know, Japanese style isobars and wind mm -hmm. and wave bars. Mm -hmm. um, but those really help draw your eye all the way up through the whole piece um, to really force you to kind of take a look at the um, this peony flower all the way up at the top. You know, it's this whole composition is drawing your eye right to this area. Um, mm -hmm. And you've got all of these gorgeous directional lines. I'm trying to annotate on my laptop. Not exactly <laughs> going very well as far as drawing goes, but <laughs> if you've ever tried to draw anything using a mouse pad, you'll know the struggle I'm having. Yeah, yeah. You know, Man. but you've got all of these gorgeous lines literally forcing your eye up to this one centralized focal point. Um, and it, it literally, it mesmerizes me every time I watch it. Um, well, thank you know, you. but it, it's, it's the great, it, it's a great way to go through and kind of illustrate, you know, what you were just talking about, how sometimes you can cut straight across a body and it'll still work and still look incredible, um, you know, even in an asymmetrical kind of perspective. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, so this one I, I actually like a good bit um, because of really just how simple it is. You know, often I find that my favorite work from myself or even other people, um, it's not often the things that are overly complex. You know, I, I like things that are just really easy for me to look at that don't, they grab my attention quickly. And, 
I find it um, less exhausting to look at, you know, like I want to sit and enjoy the composition um, um, and just sort of be, um, be appreciative of just the simplicity of the design. Um, something I've, you know, in more recent years have tried to, well, I've been trying to do this, this kind of approach from the beginning of tattooing and it, it is hard, you know, um, to get clients to think that way. Um, you know, most of the time, you know, I've, I've made a few bodysuits in my life and they're always sort of like accidental bodysuits, <laughs> you know, right. uh, you know, I, I would rather them be like sort of like large picture, easy to understand, you know I mean? Like, uh, if I took this design that you're showing right now, I mean, if I cropped it into a rectangle, it'd be a, just like a cool business card or sticker, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's very readable. Um, you know, I'm not trying to make it so that everything needs to be interesting from a few inches away. If anything, that's what I am trying to work against. You know, uh, it's not about how awesome it looks from a few inches. It's, it's, you know, this person is across the street and I see this big old skull and these kind of larger sort of, you know, simpler ornate forms biomechanical art nouveau whatever that i've got going on in there um very readable um you know that's that's well, what I you kind of you with with images like this when you're when you're looking at you know large-scale composition i almost find that you you can't be right up on it to see you know tiny little minutiae in there in order to get an idea of the entire picture, you have to stand back further so that your eye can capture the entire piece. Yeah. You know? um, so it, it forces you to take a few steps back. But mm -hmm. I think a lot of that comes into the planning stage, right? Where yeah. if you're planning out a piece this big, you don't need to zoom all the way in and get tiny little nooks and crannies and stuff like that, because that's going to be lost when someone steps you know, six, seven, eight feet away to capture the entire image. Um, yep. So, I mean, that's just something I've picked up on, but, you know, by focusing on these large simplistic shapes and large gradients, uh, really focusing on the the 20 foot view as opposed to the two foot view, um, you know, it's, it's fascinating just to see the amount of detail that you can capture with that and how you're planning it out so that, you know, everything is cohesive as one bigger, larger image, you know, it's, yeah. it's yeah. just something but, that's always drawn me towards your work. So thought I'd thank, bring it up. Yeah. The, the, so something that Denny um, had brought up to me when I, you know, first year tattooing, <clears throat> and he was very blunt. I'll say that, but, uh, he would talk about tattooing and he's like, you know, it's really important that you're not like, you don't want to destroy the person's body. You know, like we're looking at their form and we're trying to, and there's me and Jason, <laughs> we're trying to uh, enhance the lines that are already there. You know, we're trying to highlight their body. Um, this isn't just, I'm making my cool artwork you know um so yeah 
Yeah, this piece is just. Thanks. This is a whole nother level of how do I do that? Yeah, I guess, this I guess... is this okay. is the kind of stuff that I remember 15 years ago when I first came across like your your profile and I started looking at your work back when I was in college and you know I just remember sitting back saying to myself how does he do that what how, what what is going on inside his mind where everything works so well you've got emphasis where you need it You've got some background elements that are cool, but still pretty vague so that that way they don't get to be too distracting. Like, how does this happen? You know, um, you know, and I, I've taken a lot of time to sit down and, you know, I've literally taken images of yours and I've studied them and I've said, okay, here's some of the things that he's using. Here's, you know, some of the little tricks. Yeah, oh, okay. This part's got a nice big old outline on it, but a lot of these parts don't. So that's going to be a lot more uh, diffused in the background because, you know, it's there more or less as background image. It's not really, it doesn't really need a whole lot of emphasis. You know, here's where his light source is coming from. Here's why this shadow is here. You know, here's why this texture is here, but you know, the more and more I dive into it, the more and more I pick out different things like your use of long gradients to draw the eye. Um, and a lot of times I find artists aren't necessarily even conscious of the fact that that's what they're doing. Um, and some artists I know, they're like, I, I, I don't know, I just like to draw stuff and you can break it down however you want, but you know, I just find that it works and it's visually appealing. So I continue to do that. Um, you know, but coming from, you know, the more technical art background, you know, it's fascinating to see someone using all of these tricks, but also understanding how these tricks come into play and how they get used appropriately and how you can really maximize focal points and really strong imagery by utilizing all these little tricks. I don't know if that really makes sense, but... Oh, yeah, it does. Um, um, yeah, it's you know I think it's like a, like a, like trying like building a house, right? Like you want to have a good foundation. You you want to frame the walls. You know you don't just jump straight to the drywall and you know do finish trim. You know right uh, right. But that is a big part of it. You know, and that is just a good rule of drawing. You know, doesn't matter if you're doing a bodysuit or a drawing of a duck. Um, you know, make sure that the frame is good. You know, if if your initial lay-in, your initial composition isn't working, don't start moving ahead. <laughs> you know, right? Like, find those good rhythm lines. Does this do sixty-four? You know, um, that that's how I I like to think of it. You know. Um, and then once I'm comfortable with the, just the general shapes, all right, now I can go to that next layer. Um, you know, sometimes if you're watching some of these videos of mine, um, just because I, I'm comfortable, uh, drawing certain things, I'll kind of jump ahead. Um, that's more a bad habit. <laughs> you know, don't do that. Right, right. <laughs> you know? 
Uh, well, you know, we get into our comfort zones and, you know, we, we decide to start like, oh, okay, well, I've drawn, you know, these shapes or these elements a thousand times. Like, I already know how they're going to interact. I already know how they're going to deconstruct and what I have to do in certain areas. So if you've drawn something, I think, 12,000 times, okay, fine, maybe start, you can start taking some shortcuts. But, you know, otherwise, it's like, take it step by step. You know, but there's yeah. nothing wrong. If you've got that kind of experience, man, take a, take a couple of shortcuts if you already know how it's going to, you know, lay out and how it's going to land. And uh, if you already know what you're trying to achieve, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. You know, like sometimes just because I'm so comfortable drawing certain things, uh, I can kind of jump around a little bit because I can basically see it already in my mind. Um, or maybe, especially now with, that we have like things like Procreate and Photoshop and, you know, other digital ways to draw, it's very easy to jump ahead, draw things, move things, you know, so sometimes I find it helpful. Um, and, and on a lot of times, you know, I just, I want to go back to, uh, something I've already drawn and be like, all right, here's the, where are the weird parts? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. you know. Let's find the parts that are have um, like weird tangents, you know, three lines that are all touching, intersecting at the same place. You're like, all right, well, that's, you know, I don't have tangents, you know, or, you know, and that can happen easily, especially with like biomech stuff. Um, it's, it's, you know, easy to make a tangent and that's uh, <clears throat> uh, Japanese stuff for sure. The way the water, and, you know, and flowers can line up and get like weird tangents sometimes. <clears throat> Art Nouveau, um, you can get tangents, you know. Um, so trying to find those, like, you know, after you've done the drawing, okay, fine, make this little area bigger or smaller, we'll just move it to the right a little bit. I can eliminate, you know, some of these tangents. Because, you know, a lot of times we have too many lines that are intersecting and touching at the same point. It forces your eye to rest at that point. And then again, now the person isn't viewing the whole piece of artwork, you know, so... Right. <clears throat> that's something to think about um yeah you know just uh you know that type of thing um yeah but really you know just trying to be loose when you first draw stuff and trying not to uh get to the end you know um be, it's more beneficial to be slow in the beginning you know that's because that's you know, you're, uh, I've heard this place or someone said this before, uh, that you're either giving yourself that this is a high five uh, to your future self or a fuck you to your future self. <laughs> you know? So, I, you know, I'm trying to set myself up for success, you know, so, uh, you know, spending the time, you know, doing the initial lay in, uh, don't jump ahead and be like, all right, I got to draw the super nice eye. Like, who cares how nice the eye is if the body is like all the way to the right of the composition and your shoulders touching like the edge of the, the paper or the person's body or whatever you know that's weird <laughs> you know fix right. that first you know uh no one's gonna look at how cool the nose is and the hair <laughs> if you you know your 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 design's all out of whack you know um uh it, so another thing that I try to do, and you know, you might notice this in my videos, 
Um, and I, and I really try to explain this to, um, a lot of artists is I try to draw with straight lines. Um, I try to actually draw mostly with straight lines. And that sounds really weird because when you look at composition, you see these big swooping like S curves. Yes, that's true. Like maybe my initial land will have like a few of these big sweeping lines, but the individual parts that I'm drawing, especially if I'm drawing something that's like an anatomical form and I'm using my reference image that I'm looking at, you know, it's really important for me to draw the straight line. So I'll use my head for example, like this line is important. This line is important. This line is important. So just those three lines, right? You know, just getting those lines right, I know that everything as it breaks down inside that space will be correct. Because I want to make sure that that's right. So what most people do is they draw a head, then they try to draw a body, which you do want to do that at some point. But if you don't get your angles right, then all of a sudden, shoulders too long, weird saggy eye. So breaking things down into the simplest forms, which are really just get your angles right. And you can apply that to absolutely anything you're drawing and you're automatically will be a much better drafts person uh, when you're trying to draw and get your initial like framing, you know, the original initial construction of whatever you're drawing. Um, even if you don't, totally understand the anatomy of what you're drawing, breaking things down into the simple shapes, simple planes, uh, even like, where do I put these shadows? Well, you can see it, make a line. That tells me a stopping point. Um, rather than trying to guess and, you know, um, and, and also there's something that's really nice about doing that. And, Something and this is one of these things I've I've brought up to you know other other artists that I've worked with is liking to use a combination of straight lines and curved lines. Um, you know, if you draw everything with curved lines, it's just not as interesting looking. Uh, the line just doesn't have the natural calligraphy to it. Uh, if you're drawing with straight lines and with curved lines and, and trying to keep that 60-40 ratio, you know that like keep bringing up, um, all of a sudden your lines are going to be more dynamic. They're going to have more calligraphy. They're going to have more of a, your, your signature in it because uh, you're able to pick, like if I make this swoop here, um, I'm adding this expression to this line. Uh, if I'm making it straighter here, um, all of a sudden this looks more dynamic. Maybe, uh, maybe I want to emphasize like how angular that shape is. So really thinking about the actual shape, uh, not just like put a big smoothie line over it, you know, <laughs> like, uh, right, right. You know, and, and that can work for certain things. You look at a lot of traditional tattoos kind of are rounded. Um, but I find the people that really do that well, they're, they think that way. They are thinking about where are my straight lines? Where are my curved lines? Not everything is just round. Um, so I love I love Bern Hogarth as far as his anatomy, those dynamic, you know, the hands and all that stuff. Uh, the guy's a master of anatomy. He could explain anatomy way better than I ever could. 
but a big criticism that a lot of people have about his, and, and I don't know what, you know, maybe this is not the case in the books, you know, our artwork beyond what he was trying to sh you know, show as a teaching tool. Um, everything's drawn with a curve. And so because of that, everything looks like it noodly, you know, um, all the shapes are noodly looking uh, there. Everything's curved looking. Um, it doesn't look as mature. Um, and, you know, I, my guess is that was really just, to, you know, for a teaching tool. It's just to help someone to kind of understand these shapes. Uh, but if you look at, say, uh, Loomis, uh, line, line Decker, especially, um, his uh, paintings are sort of the opposite. Very heavily focused on straight lines. Everything looks very chiseled, calligraphied, um, you know, kind of tiling paint on. Uh, I think that that you know that kind of approach has it just has a lot more interesting um, character, uh, and just uh, I, I can sort of tell and I can see that person's sort of sharp, you know, immediate choices, you know, making angular shapes like that rather than a big smoothie thing. Uh, you know, I'm making kind of a dumb face about it, like like I don't want to be insulting anyone that's doing, you know, because I I do a lot of smooth, elegant things. The Art Nouveau is part of what I love about it. Those elegant, smooth shapes. Uh, but again, you know, Alphonse Mucha, the godfather of Art Nouveau, the actual floral, you know, structures or ornate patterns are very smooth and elegant, but then the flowers will have a series of very straight lines. Uh, the human figures, straight lines, even the drapery, the fabric, all, you know, if you, if you look at it, you're like, oh, I see this big curvy thing look at you actually don't you're actually seeing this relationship between straight and curved lines and i think that um it just you know for me it just makes a better drawing it looks more mature it looks this it 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 makes a difference between something that looks like a cartoon and something that looks more real you know even though yeah. like like, you know, I'm trying to do illustrative work. I'm not really trying to shoot for true realism, um, but there's a way to sort of uh, just through those abstractions, those simple choices, it looks more real um, to sort of think about those shapes that way. It, at least it does to me. Um, I, I believe that's a good system for it, you know. And, and trust me, I am, I am a person that, uh, you know, from tattooing, I didn't used to be like this before tattooing. Um, I, I started, I feel like maybe using too many curved lines, in you know, because of tattooing, it sort of makes sense for tattooing, but in more recent years, I've really been trying to step away from that and just trying to think about the angles, you know, and I, and I, and I think in part when I started tattooing, it was, it was sort of the opposite. It was, it was very focused on doing more straight lines. And I, and I think because, uh, it was, you know, Hey, the nineties, uh, new schooly stuff graffiti influence so it had a lot of this angular type of stuff um probably a lot of the comic books i looked at um and then uh you know and then when i you know started tattooing i you know look at all these traditional tattoos japanese tattoos and i didn't really have those so i, was, I think i was trying hard to make my work look like tattoo work and then after enough years of that i was like ah i mean yeah cool it looks more like tattoo stuff but I'm kind of making it like this isn't this is just a mis you know I believe a mistake uh, in art 
is that really there should be some variation, I, I think, you know, um, and, that, and that's definitely something uh, uh, I'll, I'll probably do that for the rest of my life. Uh, you know, I'm going to sound like very like, this is the way until <laughs> I find out that's not the way. You know? Right, so, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, got to be willing to criticize yourself and grow and admit, ah, oh, yeah. I used to think this. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I used to think that way, but I've learned a bit since then. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We're going to feel different about it. You know? So, so yeah. I've got one final question uh, before we start wrapping everything up. Uh, if you had to give one piece of advice out there to any new budding artist or tattoo artist out there, um, one little piece of advice, maybe it was a piece of advice that was given to you as you were coming up or not that you haven't already given us plenty to think about, but if you had to pick maybe one thing, uh, the, one piece of advice to pass on to like the next generation, what would it be? Draw. <laughs> Draw. One word answer, perfect. Em <laughs> emphasis, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's anything more valuable than that. If you're gonna be an artist, I don't care what medium you're doing, draw. Like that's, you know, that is the essence, the spirit of what we are doing is learning to draw from life and creating my own visual library, uh, you know, to help me describe the world the way that I see it, you know, um, and, and to learn from, you know, the things that, uh, the things I'm seeing. Um, yeah, you, the only way to get there is from drawing. Not you're not gonna no shortcut, you know. And uh, and besides, it's fun, you know. Man, give me a piece of. I don't even need a piece of paper. A stick in the middle of sand on a wet beach, fine. <laughs> fine. Right. <laughs> you know, like your mud. You know, like yeah, yeah. Wow. I'm simple. I don't need much. <laughs> well. Uh, why don't you give us um, a quick little sign off? Uh, tell us where we can reach you, how we can reach out to you if we want to get tattooed. Um, where can we see your artwork? What studio do you work in? Um, why don't you give us a quick little sign off? Um, but I mean, obviously, don't leave just yet. Um, okay. We'll go through and do a quick little, you know, after recap, you know, once this is all done and we stop streaming. Sure. So, uh, but yeah, sure. give us a quick little sign off and tell us how we can get a hold of you. Okay, Terry Rivera. At, yeah, I, I got I wore the swag today uh, at Remington Tattoo. Yeah, yeah. This is it. This is in San Diego. We're in North Park. Um, yeah. So you can really you know find my work. Uh, just RemingtonTattoo.com. Obviously, I have an Instagram at Terry Rivera. I also have a, one dedicated to my painting, which is uh, Terry Rivera uh, Paint. Uh, I have a website, which is uh, TerryRiveraPaint.com. Um, and I also have the Terry Rivera website.com, which I have not updated in probably seven years because I really just use our shop website um, and our shop Instagram uh, at remingtontattoo.com. And I'm also, we're both on TikTok, Terry Rivera or Remington on TikTok. Oh man, that's the world we're at. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Right? Good. Wait till you see my dance videos. Amazing. <laughs> uh, well, thank you very much. Uh, it's been absolutely enlightening, as always, talking with you today. Um, 
you know, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Um, and we will, um, we'll, we'll get together and we'll talk about, uh, some future projects that, um, maybe we'll get you on, you know, more frequently and, you know, have you share some more knowledge with us. I'd love I that. We would all, we would all absolutely love that as well. Uh, so thank you for joining us today and, um, yeah, we'll be, uh, seeing you again in the future, hopefully. Okay.